It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got co-host Wes Goldberg joining me in just a minute. The Dubs lose another tough one to another bad team. But even though a loss to the Knicks is embarrassing, there were some positives to come out of tonight's game. And we're going to be talking about those in just a minute here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles D. Hamilton, Wes Goldberg, coming up in just a minute. Another bad loss for the Warriors tonight against the Knicks, man. They were in a situation two straight at home. Thought they might be able to pull off three straight wins. And sure enough, they go 0-2 and, and they are 1-2 in their last three. Tough loss tonight. But as I said, there were some positives to come of it. And it's not just the 22-point comeback. Some deeper stuff happened that bodes well for the team and, uh, and their future. And we are going to bring in Wes Goldberg to talk about all of it in just a minute. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Trend Micro. At CDW, we get that patched together security can leave gaps in protection. I patch things together all the time, like this broken desk chair. Some duct tape, good as new. Orchestrated by CDW, Trend Micro Cloud One provides unified protection and better visibility across cloud services. It's all in one cloud security that can hold its own. Okay. Want to buy some gently used office furniture? No, thanks. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash trendmicro. Wes, what's up, man? You were there tonight for, I guess, the back-to-back disappointing loss for the Warriors uh, as they lost to the New York Knicks in overtime. Overcoming a 22-point deficit. And I guess I want to start at the end with you since you were there. What was the vibe like with Kerr and Draymond and just the entire locker room after tonight's game? Because, look, I thought it was pathetic that they were down 22 to a Knicks team, yeah. but at the same time they did have a comeback and, you know, were almost able to pull it out. What was their vibe uh, around the locker room? Well, you know, obviously you go into this game wanting to get the win. You, we, we were talking about this week, right? Maybe this team is going to win three straight having – beat Chicago on the back end of that road trip, and then you've got Memphis, and then you've got the Knicks. I mean, this was a real opportunity for them. And coming into the game, they lose to the Grizzlies in, you know, a pretty disappointing game. 
And you would think they would have gotten up a little bit more for this game against the Knicks, but it 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 felt like, like they went 12 deep, I believe, in the first half. It kind of felt like they were mixing and matching their rotations and not quite figuring out what lineups were working. And, and getting all these bodies ended up kind of throwing them out of their rhythm a little bit. So by halftime, you're down 18 points. They fall into a 22-point deficit in the first half. They're down 18 at halftime. And now there's this new challenge in front of them, which is basically do we just fold or uh, do we try to come back? So I think by the end of the game, Steve Kerr and Draymond Green, disappointed by the loss still, but not at, it wasn't after Memphis. It wasn't one of the, the most upset that they've been after a game because they had just gotten over this other challenge of, hey, we're, we're – you were back by almost 20 points, and they battled back. They forced overtime, and they were right there to win it, and I think they felt positive about that, and I think they felt positive about some of the things that they figured out down the stretch. D'Angelo Russell got really hot in the fourth quarter. He had been struggling for quite a, a bit since returning from his thumb injury. Draymond Green seemed a little bit more comfortable in that playmaking role. They, they figured out you know, that with all these bodies, especially in the front court, that they've got some matchup solutions when – you know, you're looking at a guy like Mitchell Robinson who was dominating the second unit for the Knicks in the first half. They put Willie Cauley-Stein, they, they, they opt to bring Willie Cauley-Stein off the bench, not because he wasn't playing well. I thought he actually played pretty well in the second half specifically, but, you know, you match up his size against Mitchell Robinson, and that was a nice little matchup for them. So I think by the end of it, they felt pretty positive about just some of the things that they had figured out, and, and maybe those are sort of the things that they can take moving forward. Did Kerr specifically mention the move to start Marquise Chris was was a matchup move with uh, yeah. Willie Cauley Stein and Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, they. I mean, dude, like Mitchell Robinson was destroying that second year. I think yeah. the I think the Knicks had thirty two points in the paint in the first half, which is just unheard of. Um, so you know, you add Marquise Chris, and I think part of it too is Willie Cauley Stein wasn't having a great first half. They decided, you know, bring him off the bench. Marquise Chris was playing well, I think, from he the was, beginning. Definitely. And, and, and it, you know, he, he provides a certain versatility defensively. I think that that team needed defensively um, that Willie Cauley-Stein couldn't bring. So it was probably a little bit of both. But Steve Kerr's, you know, the, the, the company line was bring him off the bench because of the matchup with Mitchell Robinson, which isn't a complete lie. I do. I, I think no. there's definitely some truth in that. No, absolutely, because you can tell it he, it worked. I mean, it was yeah. just matching his length. He's, you know, Mitchell Robinson similar to Willie Cauley-Stein, seven foot, long, but still a little slender. And so the matchup definitely mm-hmm. did work. Uh, Willie was able to knock down a couple jumpers, which always makes me kind of laugh a little bit because uh, he's going to want to take more now. But he did He did end up playing pretty well. Uh, Steve Kerr, like you mentioned, playing 12 guys in the first half. Uh, I tweeted out during the game, you know, him having all these healthy bodies just gives him opportunities to play awful lineups. And I know that he – is mixing and matching and trying to figure it out. But you know what lineup I could tell you wasn't going to work before we put it in? Jacob Evans, Glenn Robinson, Draymond Green, Eric Paschal, and Kevon Looney. Uh, that yeah. was a run of a couple minutes where I just uh, I wanted to pull my hair out. And, you know, it's, it's overanalyzing a game uh, for a 5-20 and 20 team. But at the same time, when there's winnable games out there, man, like I would like to see these guys win because even with the tanking, you don't have to have the worst record in the league. You can have a bottom three record, and then you're, you know, still have the same lottery odds. So uh, no, it would be nice to get wins when they can. No, you you make a really good point. Like even you, when when a game goes to overtime, you I mean even a one or two minute stretch can win or lose the game. It could decide the game. And 
they can't afford to put a lineup out there like that again. I, I would be shocked if we saw that lineup again. It would be yeah. it would be malpractice to see that lineup again. <laughs> but um, I I do think it's sort of just also a function of we they have all these guys that they don't really know what to do with. I mean, Jacob Evans didn't get into the game until the second quarter. And yeah, I don't know if that was planned or an oversight or what, but it, it did seem sort of strange to me. Uh, Kevon Looney only played five minutes because he just didn't play that well and it wasn't really well conditioned and. Chris and, and Paulie Stein and Spellman were they had the energy they did they were able to keep up in the game uh, with a faster pace that they wanted to be playing. So, you know, I think they're they're going to have stuff to figure out, but they they're going to need to also at some point, And I guess this is the way you do it, right? Is all right. Which which one of these lineups work? Who's going to anchor the second unit? Who who what two and three man groups do we need? Because you know the three man group that really that they leaned on in crunch time was Glenn Robinson. D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green. I mean, those three were out there basically for most of the fourth quarter when it really mattered. Uh, Alec Burks had a big thing. You know, he was also a huge score yeah. for them in the second half. So those, if those are going to be the guys that you lean on, well, then, you know, they they have an opportunity now to figure out what the new closing lineup is going to be. No question. One last thing that killed me, I you know, I hate to throw Steve Kerr under the bus here, but uh, towards the end of the game, like in the last two minutes, they're running some pick and roll with Marquise Chris and D'Angelo Russell and they're trapping D'Angelo Russell, sending two at him. And immediately, uh, what do I think back to is the, you know, anytime they do that to staff or when they did that, I think it was the Chicago game where it looked like old school Warriors basketball where Draymond would set the screen. They both go at him. Draymond sets up an oop or he he's, you know, the, the facilitator at that point. And so I thought, right. great. Now you run the pick and roll with Draymond, but instead they ran it two more times with Marquise Chris, got nothing out of either possession. You know, one was a turnover. One was a Marquise Chris, like mid range shot. I just thought that was, I don't know, an oversight again. You know, it's, it's tough to nitpick a, a game against the two worst teams in the league, but I just thought there were opportunities that were left out there. Um, partially by Steve and partially no, no. by the players too. Hey. Those are the things that they're going to nitpick too in film session tomorrow morning. That's what that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at those two kind of opportunities and say, "What can we have done differently here?" And the whole idea is that you learn from it, right? Like you battle back, you scratch and claw back with all this energy, and then you get into the crunch time, you get into these last couple minutes when the execution becomes even more important than the energy that you've already established. And if if you're them, then you you know you got to you got to learn how to sort of match your your energy with just sort of that execution you need during the finer points of the game. Definitely. And one of the things about, you know, getting these players back is it cut into the time of some of the guys that had been playing well. Uh, I, you know, maybe it's just the fact that they're younger and the guys coming back were, were vets like Kavon Looney and technically Jacob Evans is a vet. You know, he's at least got one year in the NBA to where I think Kai Bowman only played, you know, five minutes in the first half. Same thing with, uh, Spellman and, and on a night when you're just not able to hit any shots, especially in that first half, you know, I would have liked to see them a little more also, but again, that's Steve Kerr just trying to figure out who can play with who and what lineups work and don't. And uh, I just figure it's something we're going to continue to see until they find the right, right matchups, I guess. No, that's exactly right. It's we're, we're going to get to a point too, when all these guys are going to be healthy and Steve Kerr is, still just playing maybe nine or 10 guys. I mean, he's going 12 guys deep right now. He had 14 players on the bench. The only two guys that didn't play were Jordan Poole and Alan Smiley each. And they weren't playing to play, right? Yeah. We're assuming that we're going to see mostly those two guys in, the, in Santa Cruz and the G League for the foreseeable future. But even with 12 available players, we're, we're going to get to a point probably where he's playing maybe 10 of them, nine or 10 of them. 
And this is the point where he gets to determine, you know, who those nine or ten guys are going to be. Definitely. And look, tonight was bad. It was a bad loss. I most losses I'm fine with, especially considering the circumstances this year. This is one that I, I can't, I can't endorse this one. But uh, <laughs> even with the bad play and going down 22 and all that stuff, there were some positive moments, and I'm going to tell you about those in just a minute. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. Wes, so another loss on a lost season. Uh, The Warriors lose to the Knicks in overtime. And just real quick, the Knicks, look, I understand that their roster construction is ridiculous because they have five power forwards. But the thing is, they have five starting level power forwards on their team, so... They do have good players. Marcus Morris, I think Marcus, right? He's he's the Morris brother on the mm-hmm. team. Yep, Marcus. Uh, you know, yep. A, a career night. Um, so they do still have some players. But at the same time, I feel like in the immediate uh, for these last two games, if you played the kind of heavy pick-and-roll offense uh, to benefit D'Angelo Russell, you would have had a better shot in both these games. But I also believe running the motion offense and trying to get everyone to – get used to it and get comfortable with it is the right move. And I think we saw glimmers of that with uh, D'Angelo Russell tonight, where he was making some plays coming off pin downs and curls and things like that. And so I think there were some positives as far as just seeing him get comfortable with the Steve Kerr offense and not just the heavy pick and roll. I agree. And and all the things you said, exactly right. And, you know, I was watching him off the ball a lot tonight and, and, He's, he's setting screens for guys. He's starting to figure out how to be an effective playmaker without the ball in his hands. When, when, I, mean, when I mean that is he, he can accumulate some screen assists almost. I mean, oh, yeah. there's guys that, you know, coming off, they're, they're flying off the baseline, coming around uh, his screens and getting open shots from the corner or something like that. And, and that's been a lot, a very valuable because D'Angelo Russell, is, he's a big guy. I mean, for yeah. a guard, he's he's got above average size. So, he could be a real uh, uh, valuable piece in their screen game and stuff like that, more in a way similar to maybe like Clay Thompson. Um, you know, Stephen Curry has become a better screener because he's smart, but yeah. you, you only want to set him up in those situations so many times because he's also slight. But, you know, D'Angelo Russell, can, he, can, he can handle that. So I think that was a good uh, – that was definitely a positive sign for them, and he is getting more and more comfortable in these – in these roles, and then you see at the end of the game where they really just need a bucket and give it to him, and he does this weird pirouette in the corner and you know <laughs> t- shoots this rainbow shot over Mitchell Robinson and his seven foot body and and drains it. And so that yeah. was sort of like that fourth quarter from D'Angelo Russell was kind of the ideal place 
for him, right where you want him to be. Definitely. And it was a great moment uh, for him to tie it up at the end of the game. Uh, you know, uh, OT was a different story. But the thing is also, I think this is the most comfortable I've seen him in this uh, Steve Kerr motion offense, moving offense, et cetera, uh, so far this year. And there were times where, you know, earlier in the year, it was just like, this guy is not going to be able to figure it out and it just isn't going to work. But this is, I mean, I, I can I can pick out like four or five plays that he made, uh, just him getting buckets. But you also mentioned him setting screens and the off-ball stuff he was doing as well. And when you talk about setting screens off-ball for guys like him and Steph, it's their gravity too. Like, it's great that you can set yeah. the screen physically, but then it's basically like you're running a pick and roll and you're taking two defenders with you because of the gravity you have. So I think tonight was a positive in that sense, but a pretty bad negative as far as the loss goes. Yeah, you know, for you know, in regards to D'Angelo Russell, I mean, he wants to play in this offense. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's there's sort of this notion out there publicly that he just all he wants to do is run pick and roll and cash in his max contract checks, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the case. I think he's really looking forward to evolving as a player. I mean, I know he is. I've talked to him several times about it. Where he wants to learn from Steph and Clay and these guys, and he hasn't really had the opportunity to do it, so it's it's hurt his learning curve a little bit more. I mean, he's younger than you know twenty rookies in in this this year's class. He's only twenty three years old, so he's still got a lot of things to figure out. And I think he's going to because he really does seem eager to figure it out. And uh, you know, is is the loss disappointing? Was this a really good chance to earn a win? Um, yeah, it definitely was, and you don't want to you don't want to have the another loss to the you don't you don't have a loss to the other worst team in the league under your belt, regardless of if you're tanking or not. It doesn't matter. I mean, you pointed it out well earlier. It doesn't really matter if you if you do the worst record or the second worst record in the league. You have the exact same odds of getting the top pick. Yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, if you have lost the game, then these are the sort of positives that you try to take out of it and build with. And and I really do think that there are a few things. This sort of feels like they're building towards a team that's going to eventually string together two or three wins. I really do feel like that's going to be the case here because they're starting to figure some things out. Yeah, they look like a real basketball team, right? Like they, yeah. they would like on the bench. Like the bench is full. Like they are doing things. Like there's players on the floor that are different. You know, like they, this looks like a real basketball team now. Yeah, for the first time all season. No, I think you know that. I think once it starts clicking, and we saw pieces of that tonight, that they will be able to rattle off, you know, some uh, some wins. And probably, I'd, I'd be surprised if they ended with the worst record in the league. But they do have a tough stretch coming up uh, at Utah on Friday, Sacramento at home on Sunday, at Portland next Wednesday. But then they have, what is that, five straight at home, six straight at home. So yeah. there's going to be some opportunities, some tough teams. But as we've seen, I mean, even though we saw it in the second half, I'll put it that way, that the Warriors do play better at home. And I do give them credit for coming back. It was a a valiant effort in the second half that we just didn't see in the first half. So even though I'm pretty down on the loss, I'll, I'll give them credit for the, uh, the comeback as they almost got it. But, uh, Wes, you're going to be on your way to Utah, so I'll let you go, man. And uh, we will talk to you. I guess before the game, most likely. I think that's I think that's what we should do. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm trying to stay up and talk to you after another uh, another tough one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I will. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And thank you all for listening to Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. Eric Fowle. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you are looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.